Welcome, welcome to another uh, exciting episode of Cyber Coast to Coast. This is Craig Schober here on the West Coast in out in Long Beach, California, and I'm joined by my brother, Scott. Hey, Scott, how you doing? Hey, how's it going there? Glad to, to catch up with you here on the East Coast here right outside New York City. Great. Um, this is a... Uh, uh, I don't want to say a special episode, but we've kind of, it's almost a themed episode. Uh, you know, if you're listening to this, undoubtedly you've already heard about the, uh, attacks, uh, on Russia against Ukraine and, you know, in both terms of, you know, physical, uh, traditional warfare and, and the cyber warfare. And obviously we're, you know, this podcast, we're, we deal with the cyber. And so we're going to do all cyber warfare related stories and all of the, you know, the fallout from that stuff and how it impacts us here. Um, so I guess uh, before we get right into it, I uh, just want to mention that this episode is sponsored by uh, Cyberlytica. Uh, Cyberlytica uh, is proactive cybercrime intelligence, and you can learn more about all their offerings for uh, corporate enterprise and even personal on their website, uh, www.cyberlytica.com. Um, find out all, all the stuff they do, the dark web and beyond. Um, let's get into this first story here. Uh, there were so many stories to choose from because you know this, this war, this thing is, it's terrible and it's still unfolding. And you know, we're getting, you're getting calls like crazy to do interviews about this stuff. I'm, I'm, you know, kind of sweeping news sites to see what's, what's good for, for this episode and, and beyond and posting things on, you know, the social media end. Um, so I just grabbed this one um, from uh, msn.com. And uh, I thought it was interesting because, uh, well, the headline is disturbing mass text operation terrorizes Ukraine as Russia, Russian troops move in. And what seems to be going on here is, as we know, we've seen years of this, um, the uh, Soviet Union, well, sorry, Soviet Union, that shows my age, uh, Russia uh, has engaged in, um, you know, socially engineered attacks and all types of things, and kind of in the name of uh, almost chaos and, and mayhem, uh, you know, f- uh, against their enemies. Now, we see this kind of play out in, a, in another phase in the middle of this, this attack on Ukraine in the form of text messages. Um, uh, s- apparently, both soldiers and civilians even have been, have been getting uh, these text messages saying things like, you know, flee or you'll be killed. Um, we see they're getting text messages about ATMs not, you know, not working properly. So there's there's confusion, uh, you know, economic confusion in banking and, and those type of things that creates, creates panic. Uh, they're getting these messages through both the carriers and through things uh, uh, like Telegram. You know, Telegram is the secured app that is very popular overseas and it's gaining popularity here too because of its, you know, and, and, and encryption. Um, what do you think uh, about this? How, how effective is this kind of thing to uh, to, you know, do against both citizens and soldiers? Well, I think it's, it's, uh, scary because thinking about it right now, if you're a Ukrainian soldier and you're already nervous with 190,000 troops around your border, 
planes, troops on the ground, missiles being launched, cyber attacks, and now they're targeting, it feels like you as an individual, when it's your smartphone, when you're receiving texts and you start looking, you're saying they're hitting people, they're hitting the soldiers from every single angle. Mm. And and that's got to be concerning. And, and there were early reports this week of, of massive uh, DDoS attacks, which we'll talk about, and um, a wiper malware that was uh, placed on hundreds of government computers. So if you look at it, every single angle, the the, uh, the Ukrainians are being attacked, and Russia really planned this in advance to hit every possible thing. And I think when you're targeting anybody's phone, you take it more personal. When I when I get a text and it's a scam, or I get a robocall, it annoys me. I get frustrated. So you, you can't do your job. You get distracted for the moment, especially if you're driving in a car or you're trying to finish a thought and, and you get down to your phone. So now I'm trying to imagine how this, how they feel here. They're sitting in a trench somewhere with a gun waiting to be attacked. Mm-hmm. And, and now they're receiving a, these fake text messages, alerting them of all kinds of crazy things. It's, it's, it's really horrific. Yeah. It's all, it's like a new form of psychological warfare and on, yeah. on a massive scale. Cause I mean, think of it, I don't, you know, these, I'm sure these soldiers aren't in the trenches with their phones necessarily, but you know, they do have access to their phones mm-hmm. so that they can reach loved ones back, you know, who, who are supposed to be safe, you know, not on the front the the fighting front, but to know that, the enemy can send you messages on your phone as well as sending your family propaganda and threats and messages. That's got to be a new type of you know, psychological warfare that Absolutely. we haven't seen on this scale. Yeah. And I think the, the underlying thing that we clearly see, and again, I'm, I'm trying to stay neutral in this, um, but just from an outside, from a technology perspective, it clearly appears that the government of Russia is instilling um, doubt, confusion, fear toward their enemy, that being Ukraine and and anybody that's considered an ally to it, which which means that some of the fallout from this may be some focused cyber attacks to United States. I know the financial uh, institutions were on high alert this week, fearing that they would be targeted, Wall Street, the various banks. Uh, investing companies, everybody's on high alert here in the United States, fearing that they may too be victim uh, just by guilty by association kind of thing as an ally to to Ukraine, even though they're not actively um, engaged in this actual ongoing conflict or war that's happening. Mm, yeah. Remember, you know, this reminds me of, um, I'm thinking back about, uh, I think it was 2018. There was that, um, it was a, I don't know if it was a slow news day or what, but this, this story still sticks out of my mind. Remember when the, uh, it was like a, uh, emergency, uh, messaging system and there was a, it was Hawaii and it, yes, and there was yes. something like incoming missiles, you know, take cover. This is not a drill kind of thing. And of course it turned out to be, uh, a, mis- a total mistake, but I remember everyone saying like, well, what happened if hackers got control and sent these texts out to everyone and created mass panic. You know, that's kind of what this reminds me of. It, it's, it's like they now have the keys to you know the the phones to the to the carriers to the to the communication platform, and they're sending out 
insane messages to, um, you know, wear down their enemy. And, you know, how do you, you know, how do you protect yourself from stuff like this? You know, it's almost like you just have to turn your phone off. You know, you have to have a really, really strong filter uh, on, you know, in your brain to filter this kind of stuff out so that, you know, you don't feel dejected and you don't do something you're going to regret, or, you know, you don't go crazy and, and withdraw all your money from, from the bank or, or, or speed off looking for somewhere safe to go just based on a text message saying you're not safe, get out of your house or whatever they're saying. Uh, yeah, it's, it's certainly a worry. Yeah, I do think that 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 one statement in that article that it talks about how they received text messages about the uh, the ATMs were not functioning mm. in an effort to create panic, and I'm just thinking in my own mind when I heard that um, this war was underway the other day, and right away I started thinking about not just the the loss of human lives, which is really the most catastrophic thing and terrible. But you, you, you make it personal and you say, geez, how does it affect my life, my family, my business? And one thing that, that stood out is all the talk about gasoline prices going up, mm. which is it's kind of stupid, but it, it, it's, a real, it's a real threat and it affects global economies. And right away, I said, maybe I should go fill up my, my uh, SUV, mm-hmm. which is crazy because, you know, what does it really matter? Well, it's going to go up a few dollars, maybe. Um, or percentage, you know, more to fill up at the tank, but that's not the bigger picture, but that's what's on people's minds. Unfortunately, in America, they're thinking about price at the pump. Maybe Um, people over there are probably thinking a lot more in in Ukraine about their poor families and and how are they going to survive this whole thing? Should they escape? And and so a lot of people are, are uneasy, but when they create panic like this, when they create confusion, that being Russia, it, it really undermines how people could stay safe. Yeah, definitely makes you uh, take stock in what matters here. Um, you know, where uh, right now it's just kind of lobbying economic sanctions over against Russia. Um, and so there's always going to be a reaction. And so we're, we kind of, we feel the economic sting here in, in little ways and possibly big ways, but it's nothing compared to the sting that the Ukraine itself is feeling right now. Yeah. So true. Uh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, that brings us to our, our next story, which is, you know, these stories are all just kind of an extension of each other since we're dealing with the same territories and the same timeline and, you know, and similar things. But um, this one came from uh, CNBC. Cyber attack hits Ukrainian banks and government websites. That's a simple headline. Um, And uh, well, I don't know. Uh, You mentioned the 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 banks and uh, and of course this this adds you know government uh, websites on top of that. Uh, What it seems to be is a a a DDoS attack, which is a distributed denial of service attack. And um, you know we've seen these used for years now. Uh, in, in both, um, you know, in terms of cyber warfare things, but also in in terms of just kind of uh, consumer um, services and and things being attacked by hackers that either disagree or they're maybe maybe the um, the company refused to pay ransomware or or uh, what um 
what do you think is the what do you think is going on here in terms of uh, DDoS? Is this this is uh, just a, a Russian uh, launching DDoS at Ukraine and all their allies? And do you think you know how what what's the likelihood that the I guess the U.S. sees some of this um, fallout in in terms of DDoS on our on our internet over here? Yeah, I think I think it is possible. We think about DDoS attacks and distributed denial of service attacks. Uh, oftentimes, they're using IoT bots to, to really launch these targeted attacks. Imagine an army of hundreds or thousands or hundreds of thousands of, of botnets that are really flooding a targeted website. So it just can't handle the traffic. So it, it's more of a disruptor, kind of similar to uh, what we were just talking about with texting, text message alerts to people's phones, it, it instills confusion or doubt or creates panic. Kind of the same thing. Imagine you're the government and you try to access your website or update things. And now suddenly it doesn't even work. It doesn't load. You're frustrated. And what do you do is you question your internet speed. Um, you, you get like kind of flustered. I know we've had internet traffic out here for the day when they're doing work on our uh, industrial park and it's frustrating you can't check your email you can't communicate if you have ip based phones your whole your whole day is ruined so if you think about this now they're dealing with this um and and it's not that it's a country that doesn't have um internet that works well in fact they're ranked in the world i think the 77th uh as far as global internet speed which i thought was an interesting statistic and they actually offer the world's cheapest broadband. So that means it's readily available hmm. uh, to just about all citizens. So it's affordable. That means they're all dependent upon it. So yeah. Russia is using that as part of their strategy to send out to these government websites because people are probably reaching out to them for help. People are reaching out to their banks to find out what bank is open, what ATMs do work. Um, they're panicking. And that, again, is what they're really trying to do. These short focused um, DDoS attacks that flood or jam this this traffic to their networks mm. and, uh, and make it difficult. How do you resolve it? There's not a whole lot of things you can do when you're you know, in the middle of everything. There's yeah. pro proactive things you could do. I mean, prior to, to having a DDoS attack, obviously, the bigger the pipe having more bandwidth, it would allow your organization to absorb more and handle larger volumes of traffic. I mean, that's kind of a given, but in the situation they're at um, in Ukraine, they're not going to pick up the phone and call their broadband provider and say, hey, can I <laughs> increase my uh, volume of traffic or anything like that? The damage is already done. The site's offline. People can't access it. Uh, it's it's a disaster. And that's what really happens. And to launch a, a, a DDoS attack, you can go onto the dark web and you can hire a hacker. And I've seen them as low as six or $7 targeting a specific website for a duration of time. So you could say, Hey, I want to take out my competitor's website at four to 5 PM today. It's going to cost me seven us dollars to do that. And, and, and they could easily do that. Russia could, you know, they have the capability of doing it themselves with, with all of their state sponsored hacking and things that go on, but they could also, hire a bunch of hackers to do it. Uh, and we'll talk about that. What, what are hackers doing kind of in response out there in the wild in, in a little bit with, I think, the, the toward the, the end of this uh, discussion. It, it's interesting, though. Really, it really is interesting 
how powerful a DDoS can attack can be, yet how low cost it is to actually launch it and how difficult it is to stop or prevent it. Mm. And when you're, you're talking about DDoS, it kind of, it clogs up the pipes, I guess. Um, but it didn't, it's from what I gather, they're not, it's not a, um, kind of an attack on base communications, you know, they're not, they're not trying to shut down the entire internet, you know, they're not pulling the cable, they're not trying to shut down all the carriers so that no one in the Ukraine can communicate at all. They're trying to, like you said, disrupt sort of life style and, and sometimes critical life services, um, some infrastructure in there too, so that people can't access their banks, they can't communicate with a company to get a ride somewhere. They can't, um, you know, do their online shopping. They can't, you know, just all those little things that add up that make kind of modern life what it is for those people. That's all disrupted. And so now everyone's kind of on their own. I guess that's where I, that's where DDoS really comes into play. It's 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 massive in scale, and yet it's targeted in a in a certain way. You know, you're not just you're not just yeah. pulling the plug. And and I think in this case, what it does do is it really sends a message to the Ukrainian government because it's such a focus attack. Imagine they pull pulled the plug on the internet for all of Ukraine. That is a very different statement and feel than having a focused attack that targets the government that targets the banking in ukraine very different message there is sent so it's it's not directly affecting maybe students that are that are in ukraine or or the you know the mom or whoever else so it's it's a little bit different um of a message it is more focused toward uh those that they're fighting against uh, the ukrainian soldiers that's what I think is happening. And the government, that's where, where they're having a challenge and that's where it's sending the message and doing the most damage. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, before we move on to our third and, and final story, just want to remind uh, listeners one more time that this episode is sponsored by Cyberlytica, uh, who provides proactive cybercrime intelligence. Uh, learn more on cyberlytica.com. And, um, you know, they, they do all things dark web and, uh, you can learn all you want on their website for your business or personal needs. Um, this, uh, third story is kind of a, uh, it's kind of a taken from our perspective more in terms of what our options are for kind of dipping our toe, uh, you know, as a country into this war, because of course we don't want to get involved, but in, of course we have to get involved in, in some little ways. And the question is, you know, do you want to get involved in larger ways? Because I know the last thing that anyone wants here is to, is to scale this up, uh, into a, and turn it into a, a real physical conflict, um, so, you know, we've begun, the U S has begun with kind of economic sanctions and of course there's other options that, that come from that. And this story comes from, uh, and, uh, NBC news.com, uh, 
and it's about Biden. And he was presented with uh, various options for massive cyber ta- attacks against Russia. Um, you know, some of them were uh, involved just shutting off power, you know, via uh, cyber attack. Uh, so that's a you know critical infrastructure attack. Uh, some of them was were about stopping and kind of messing with the train schedule, which almost sounds like you know we did a story a couple weeks back, remember uh, the in Belarus, and it was more um, it wasn't as serious as this. It, I mean, I don't I wouldn't categorize it as hijinks, but it was kind of to get it was to get attention, and it was uh, it was kind of making a political statement. Uh, and I don't believe it was for money, um, that that particular story. But this is different. This is, you know, when you when you shut down or confuse uh, a railway, you now create opportunity to uh, completely disrupt the transport of, uh, you know, military vehicles, for instance, or even troops. And that can really wreak havoc on you know, the Ukraine, as I'm sure Russia's doing. And should the U.S. do something like this to Russia now, that could wreak havoc on their operations. Um, it could save many lives, you know, when you don't get those 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 guns, those bullets, those tanks and missiles and troops to where they need to be. You don't have a conflict, but you can't do that kind of stuff and not expect retaliation from uh, Russia either. So, um I don't know. What do you what do you think? Is this is this a slippery slope to escalation and getting the U.S. involved in a place where we don't want to be? Yeah, well, I I guess any act of aggression that the United States would take from a U.S. intelligence and military perspective using American cyber weapons um, could be viewed as in part of an act of war. It, c- it could be very dangerous and it cr- may cross that slippery slope. Uh, I've been talking about a lot about it this week and just the aspect you brought up an interesting point about, um, you know, the potential things that the Biden administration in the U S could use. They could, they could, uh, you know, disrupt the, the trains. And if you think about it in Russia, there's there's approximately 12,000 trains throughout Russia that are used between the majority of them are, you know, the electric freight locomotives, some diesel locomotives, and then, of course, a, a couple thousand passenger trains as well. But all of those trains are interconnected and, and tied in through Internet and for signaling and sensors and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, the Internet of Things is certainly a huge part of the rail industry globally. So if you think about that, if the United States did do a far a focused targeted attack just against rails, the rail, uh, it it would cause major havoc, transporting of goods, transporting of people. Um, It would affect their economy overnight. Is that right or wrong? I'm not necessarily here to say I'm just here talking about it from a technological standpoint and disruptive standpoint. Man, when you couple that with other possible things, like you mentioned, maybe disrupt their Russia's internet, disrupt their their power grid. Some of those things are certainly doable with the advanced cyber weapons that United States has at its disposal. We don't hear about United States ever doing these things, though. Probably the only known event that really is a standout for me is, is go back a number of years to Stuxnet. Where, where America and Israeli partnered uh, forces targeting 
uh, Iranian centrifuges there for, for nuclear enrichment. And they would speed up the centrifuge to, to melt it down to, and really put them behind years behind in their development of nuclear weapons. So it was a very effective tactic, but it was really the first use of a, what I would call a cyber weapon and uh, pretty amazing how far things have come. It reminded me a chapter that, that, that uh, you and I authored in our second book there, cybersecurity is everybody's business, planes, trains, and automobiles. We talk about the disruption to rail and aviation and auto by means of cyber attacks and some of the implications associated to that. And they can be devastating to a country. Yeah. Um, all this really gets me curious about how, um, just how not, not effective, but also deadly it's going to become, you know, we've, everything's been theoretical up until now. We've had years of talk about what cyber warfare is really like, but we've never had it in practice. You know, we've had things, we know we've had things go on between uh, countries, but that stuff's all top secret. And so it only leaks out here and there every once in a while when there'll be some kind of scandal and, you know, some kind of whistleblower will come forth mm -hmm. or WikiLeaks and, and all those type of things. Now we're seeing it before it leaks. We're seeing uh, the U.S. investigating kind of openly the possibility of doing, you know, weighing their options. And we're going to actually see the impact for the first time from this stuff, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to finally learn possibly if an attack on critical infrastructure, a cyber attack on critical infrastructure, is that more deadly than a physical attack on the battlefield? You know, is the, is the, you know, it's a terrible, uh, it's a terrible premise. I mean, is the body count going to be worse when you shut off the, the power grid or the water supply to citizens than if you bomb a city with, you know, with bombs, actual bombs that destroy buildings and, and kill people on contact. These are things that we, we kind of never would have known until now. And unfortunately, I think we're going to learn some of these things the hard way. Yeah, I, I think it's true. And I think the ease of initiating a cyber attack, a cyber war can't be underestimated. What do I mean by that? It took, I, I believe it was over the period of several months of troop buildup, uh, you know, close to 200,000 troops almost surrounding Ukraine because you have all the logistics. You just don't have people moving, but you've got planes and you've got tanks and you've got all the supply chain logistics, the, the petroleum that has to follow to fill the tanks when they run out of gas and the food to feed the people, so on and so forth. You've got a mobile army. That takes preparation. That takes time. That takes money. It takes investment. And now look at a cyber war. It can be done from a computer or computers with hiring some hackers, state-sponsored hackers for a fixed cost. And yet, as you mentioned, if you take out water, electric, affect nuclear, affect communications, internet, so on and so forth, that could have long-term dev devastating consequences. I think there's, what, 5 million people approximately in Ukraine? Um, 
probably a lot less now as they're trying to escape to Poland and surrounding countries and things. But um, the effect it has on people's lives, cyber warfare, it, it, it affects, as you mentioned earlier, um, it enters people's minds. So the psychology of it is scary. Mm-hmm. The fear that it instills is scary. The chaos, the, the dollar damage is devastating to an economy and it's hard to recoup. I, I was thinking specifically um, the type of malware that was dispensed on hundreds of government computers that researchers discovered this week on Ukrainian government computers was called wiper malware, which basically wipes it. So you start your computer up and there's nothing there. It destroys it. You lose the content. You don't have access to your operating system and your files and things. That's really devastating. How, how different it is than the traditional ransomware attack that we see dispense where you pay a fee, you get your data back. Um, there's some hope there. This is really a, a cyber war where they're sending out hopeless attacks. They're doing something where it's wiping your machine, rendering your computer to be useless. Now it's a brick. What can you do with that? Nothing. Mm-hmm. That to me is devastating. And, and I think it, it kind of underscores how serious a cyber war can be and how disruptive it is. I don't think any of us truly know how bad it's going to be if, it, if a full uh, cyber war takes place because now there's going to be a retaliatory attack. If, if there's an attack to the U.S. and the Biden administration deems it necessary to attack back, they're probably going to pull out all the stops and do a lot more. And, and that's going to cause uh, another retaliation from perhaps an ally of Russia. Imagine if the U.S. retaliates to Russia, now China steps in mm. or, or, or one of the other allies to, to China and Russia and Iran or somebody else. That, that's scary. Yeah. Um, there was a, <clears throat> I saw that the Ukraine recently just put out kind of a plea for the hacking community to come to their aid and fight, you know, against Russia in any way they can. And then this, another story just came over just m- moments ago about anonymous. Now, apparently they're getting into the fight. Um, you know, Twitter there, if you go on to, uh, at your Anon news, that's, I guess their official Twitter account where they made the statement and claim they have six point, I mean, they do have 6.5 million followers, but they, you know, claim to have, um, hackers under their banner all over the world. Um, I don't, you, anonymous doesn't claim to be from any one particular, they don't hail from any country. So I don't know how this would you know, I don't know how this would come across if they imagine they attack Russia um, with uh, a DDoS attacks or whatever they're going to do. Like, who does Russia blame? Do they blame the, the U.S.? I, I don't I don't even know how what would what would come of that. But it's getting interesting to see the the allies now people, you know, pick, people are picking sides and preparing to take action so i I, we're going to see some action i'm sure i just i just hope it's minimal in terms of you know real damage and death yeah that that you you make a really good point how can you attribute who has initiated the cyber attack um if you look at, at nato for example i would assume that any attack against russia 
Russia would assume, hey, this is either coming from Ukraine or from somebody from NATO, one of the countries. And, mm-hmm. and there, there, there's 30 supporting countries as part of NATO. So that's a tall order to actually try to do the forensics and figure it out or, or to suddenly Russia just say, well, now we're going to retaliate and go attack anybody that's associated with NATO. I don't know. It's a mess, though. And it, it's very concerning for that, that from that standpoint. And, and just the fact that Anonymous is, is in the game going after Russia shows kind of public outcry for the atrocities of war. Enough is enough. They don't want want Russia to proceed and, and kill innocent people and and do all this stuff. And they're using the power that they have of the computer mm-hmm. to fight back with these ones and zeros. And I think that's a pretty strong statement against what Russia is doing. And again, trying it's hard to, to stay neutral and stay out of the conversations from a political standpoint. But you could see that anonymous must be fed up because usually they only take on situations that really aggravate them. And, and some of the things they do seem very just, almost like a vigilante, I would say. Right. Hacktivism. Uh, yeah. Hacktivism. And, and, and other things they do are, are just downright wrong. I mean, a number of years ago from our first book, Hacked Again, I remember some of the hackers that were, were targeting our company and myself were associated with anonymous. Um, now, were we doing anything wrong? We were educating people, sharing tips to, so people could stay safe from cyber criminals. Well, not all of anonymous or, or that friendly or that, or, or that uh, kind to others. So they, they are kind of hacktivists that for, for good or for evil or whatever their intended purpose. And there's lots of people out there associated to, to anonymous and the hacktivist community. So it could actually be very disruptive and they're extremely hard to catch. They are technical wizards. They, they're, they're not dummies. They know what they're doing. So um, it may, it may actually be a, a difficult for them to difficult for Russia to try to retaliate against this unknown group that they can't really locate. Yeah. I think they're in a, they're in a different league. I mean, there might be degrees of skill within anonymous, but when you're, when you attack nation states as a group and, you know, make proclamations against entire countries or continents, you have to know what you're doing. You're not, you're not, you know, hacking into someone's bank account to steal some money. You're, you're making big claims and you have to back those up with, true anonymity, anonymity, anonymity. <laughs> and, um, you know, you can, in other words, they can't trace you or, or you're, you're done. So when, when you're fighting against, uh, you know, all, you know, the best hackers that Russia has, or the U S has to offer, you have to make sure your, uh, your tracks are clear and they can't trace anything back to you. Um, so we'll be, you know, we're going to be watching all of these stories closely um, and, and as well as, uh, um, anonymous and, and see what they do and see what they bring to the table. But, uh, you know, before we go, uh, just wanted to catch up and see, I know you're getting tons of, um, requests to do interviews and all types of, uh, things. What, what are some that uh, stick out in your head? Where can we send some of our listeners if they want to learn more about what, what you're, you know, what you want to say on this? Yeah, I have been hit by a lot of different uh, news agencies. Some of them actually are lined up already for next week. They want to discuss some, the, the fallout from this weekend 
uh, from a cyber perspective, what are some of my thoughts? So I'm kind of going to be tuning in throughout the weekend as well. But I, I did a, a, an interesting interview on uh, PIX11 out of New York uh, this week. Um, I did one for um, RTVI, which is actually a, a, a New York American Russian television. It's really funded by, I guess, the, the Russians to get a perspective on some of the cybersecurity centers that were a new one that's just set up in Brooklyn, New York, in your neighborhood there, um, and how that's being used to, to counter some of the um, attacks that Russia and China have, have, have initiated from a cyber perspective and how America's setting up these different cybersecurity centers in different cities to combat these growing threats, especially to protect critical infrastructure. Uh, I, I did an interview earlier today on uh, NTD television that uh, um, was recorded. It's actually airing right now. Um, again, talking about this conflict, the cyber conflict, um, there's a couple magazines that I was, uh, I did some interviews that will be appearing next week on Monday. I'll be talking to, uh, the national Enquirer. There's a story that they're putting together on this. Um, so tons and tons of stuff. I've got so many things lined up, um, and everybody wants just kind of like different angles and perspective as these things slowly unfold. So it, it is kind of fascinating how cybersecurity is now at the forefront of such a massive war. And here we are in, the, in a sense on the other side of the world, yet it affects us. It's affecting Americans. It's affecting people globally as cybersecurity is now, I think, uh, something that involves all of our lives. And, and it, it really tells us we all gotta be safe. So there are things that we can do. And I was sharing tips in a lot of these interviews that it is important that we, we protect our, our, our families, our businesses, keeping our information safe with long and strong passwords, making sure we're, if we haven't used multi-factor authentication, start using it across all the platforms. It's really, really important. Don't reuse our same password across multiple login sites. Um, anytime there's any type of major event in life, uh, we talked about the pandemic a number of weeks ago, all the cyber criminals come out and they initiate phishing campaigns. So we're going to probably see a slew of phishing campaigns and political campaigns all tied to the, the, the war, getting people to weigh in, getting people to sign up for petitions, getting people to donate money, all kinds of things. And many of which are going to be just scams by cyber criminals. So again, we have to put our red flags up immediately when we start seeing all these suspicious things. If you get a phone call, a text, a phishing email, an inducement to a pop-up that, that, you're on the internet checking out the news cycle and a pop-up to click here. Be extra cautious and vigilant, especially during these times of have heightened security, uh, especially things tied to our banking. Because again, the financial institutions are being targeted. Uh, and that's one of the, the biggest areas that uh, the warnings went out this week throughout America. Well, the financial institutions, is Russia targeting them? Well, I, I would say, my, my guess is yes. So just be really, really careful and extra vigilant, everybody out there listening. All right. Good sound advice in a crazy time. Yeah. Um, well, uh, and if anyone uh, wants to learn more about your, your appearances and stuff, I think the best place they can go is uh, scottschober.com. That's kind of like the home base hub for all of your... Um, 
you know, think, you know, uh, media publications you've been quoted in podcasts that we record, uh, all your, uh, network TV news appearances and the like. Um, and also, you know, your, your Twitter is, uh, what is it at Scott BV at Scott BVS, right? Yes, correct. Yep. And, yep, uh, that's a great way to reach out. DM me. I am on Facebook. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Scott underscore Schober, you know, feel free, reach out to me, connect with me, uh, feel free to follow the stories and share your feedback. I had some, uh, some, some great, uh, feedback from different listeners already, just from, our, our first uh, half dozen uh, episodes of this series, uh, uh, Cyber Coast to Coast. And th- so far, the feedback's been really great, positive stuff. They're asking for, for more stories, more tips, um, the links to where all our stories are so they can read them over afterwards and where they can visit the tips. So just like you shared there, go to scottshober.com. We're going to have the tips up there. We're going to have a lot of uh, e-papers, all the links to different things that we're doing and what we're involved in. And, and that way you could stay, stay informed and do me a favor. If you, if you like some of these things, share them, share the tips with your friends, with your coworkers. Um, that way we could all work together to stay safer. And I think that's really important. It does take a village for us to fight back against cyber criminals. So I think it's important to do that. And, and two, I want to put a shout out. If you if you do like this episode of Cyber Coast to Coast, please give it a rating. Take two minutes and, and go on your favorite podcast uh, uh, station there and, and give it a rating, uh, like on, on Apple iTunes or whatever else, wherever you listen for it, and give it a rating and, and an honest review. We really appreciate that, the feedback as we're growing. And uh, we have more and more people, companies reaching out to ask if they could uh, sponsor. If you're interested in sponsoring, again, shoot us a message over there. And uh, we're going to constantly work on it the, uh, the quality content that we're putting out here and try to give you honest perspective from, from one coast to the other. And that way everybody can stay safe. All right. And with that, um, this is Craig from the West coast signing out. And this is Scott signing out from the East coast. Stay safe, everybody. Cyber. Coast to coast. Coast to coast. Coast to coast.